Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and several things in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to to have have fun! fun. I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me, as always, is the legend, Carrie. I am a legend. And the favorite, Jason. Also the one who's starting to get his seasonal allergies. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, soon you're going to be... Growing hair in places you never had it before. My ears? Things uh, yeah. will start changing for it's you. better than your nose. You'll get feelings. Uh, I get that. Oh, I'm so oh, sorry. fucking feelings. I yeah. hate them so much. Well, before we get into anything else, let's quickly talk about our Patreon. We have one. We do have Ooh. one. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast, And if you go there, you can back our show a little bit. Uh, for just a small couple of bucks every month, you can get some free stuff. You can get postcards, books, prints. You can get a shout out on the podcast, and you can even get a character roasted by us. I like yeah. character roasts. They're yeah. delicious. Well, yeah. let's talk about the folks who uh, back us at a level that gets them a mention here on the show. Okay, we have Joel Eastland. Yay, Joel Eastland. Who's, who's flying this right now? Like I saw. Oh, here's his. I saw. Well, yeah. No, I saw on Facebook that he had like. He posted a picture of a drink and was like, might as well drink if I'm flying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Joel. <laughs> that's is that's pretty much what everyone says. Like, oh, well, I'm flying. Let's get liquored up. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Ryan Martin. Who, I don't know if he's drinking or not. He just uh, <laughs> baked some sort of, like, steak in a roll no, no. thing. <sighs> like, he thought this was the in a roll podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so he made this steak and he wrapped it in like bread dough and then baked it. And it, oh. so it came out and it looked like a loaf of bread. And then he sliced it and it was like, surprise, meat. Oh, I like that surprise. Yeah. That sounds good. Drew Stevens is a backer. He's a backer. Yeah. You know who else is? Who? Lost Colonies with Joe Hines. Oh, Lost Colonies. If you live in the D.C. area and you want to go play in a fun LARP. You must go play in this LARP. And tell By us, law. And tell us about it. Yeah. Because yeah. I want to. We need to have Joe on sometime. We should. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, come on sometime. Yeah, Joe, come on. Joe. Hey, it's only like, what, an eight-hour drive? Come on. Maybe Ryan Martin will make us dinner. Maybe. Yeah. Ryan, if you ever want to be on the podcast, bring us food. That's true. Yes. Who else we got, Jason? I don't know. I didn't open my laptop today. Oh. But, what, what, what? Oh, he's doing the thinking face. Nope. You yeah. say that one. So, uh, what about Noah Coltrip? Of course, Noah Coltrip. What it. about him? I don't know. Yeah. Noah won't tell us anymore. He's keeping his life secret. It's like he's he's a teenager now, and he's like... I think he's a secret agent. Maybe. Maybe. He's always working weird hours. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling to strange, unique places. That's right. Huh. Maybe. Mm. Now, if he starts something called The Gong Show, we know for sure. Absolutely. Yes. We also have Salim Halabi. Mm-hmm. I had to say That's it. true. <laughs> had to say it because Jason couldn't. <laughs> I can. I choose not to. And mm-hmm. Ryan Galeato. That's true. Mm-hmm. I cannot say that. We found that out last yeah, week. Yeah, no, we cannot. <laughs> and then last but not least is Well, if you'd like to get a shout-out on the show, we'd love to give you one. And you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were right here at this table recording a podcast, but now we're back recording a podcast at this table, exactly where I left you, my intrepid adventurers. (laughs) What you been up to, Jason? Uh, Well, let's see. I've started working a lot of overtime because our outage is coming up. Nope. (laughs) It doesn't uh, work like that, Ryan. Of course, there's all kinds of work drama, like always. Yeah. If, whenever you get a bunch of people working in one place for too long together, things get weird. Yeah. Yeah. You just described every person's job ever. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that because one day I was I was working and I was thinking, I hate this. I want to do something else. And then I went out and I talked to a bunch of people in different professions to kind of figure out, you know, what it, this was back when I was in my 30s. So, you know, like six, seven years ago. Right. Uh, in my mid thirties, I'm asking people, "What, what, what do you do? Do you like it? What's it like? Da, 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 da. You know, what's the money like?" Mm-hmm. And at that time, I determined that basically everybody hates their job. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few people here and there who love their jobs, right? And I hate those people. Yeah, yeah, Taylor oh. Swift. 
Well, you know what? <laughs> so there's a few people out there who love their jobs that, that just happen to have a job that, for whatever reason, really speaks to them. Right. And But the most of the people I know that really love their jobs are monsters, and I hate them because they're bastards. I feel like uh, a really, really great position to be in is to be kind of all right with your job. Yeah, or yeah, that sounds good. It. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. that's how I am. Like, I, I love what I do, but I feel I'm all right with my job. Yeah. You know, like, I don't get up in the morning and go, oh, you know what I'm doing today? Work. But I also, my alarm goes off and I don't think, F this, you yeah. know, because, and I've had those jobs. Yeah. I've certainly, everyone I think has had those jobs. And so, uh, so I always feel very, very lucky that, that I get up in the morning, my alarm goes off, and I go, all right, let's go to work. I have went through phases of that. Right. Where I'm just like, okay, I've got something interesting to do today. Times are better than others. And that lasts for about two weeks yeah. maximum. So Because right what happens is anytime I have a job, eventually you get good at it, right? Sure. Right? And then sure. I hate it. If you say so. Well, are you still waiting to get good at your job? I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> have you... Um, are you on this particular outage uh, that you're working? Are you the supervisor? No, that's part of the work drama. Okay, I'll be making Uh-oh. the same money though. It's yeah. just a different job. Because people don't quit jobs; they quit supervisors. Mm, more like other people stab you in the back and get your job taken away from you. But that that's a lot. Sounds of a lot like LARP. Yeah, it yeah. does. Whoa. It does. What are you up to, Carrie? Um, I mostly was doing art and Geekster. Yes. How was Geekster? Was it okay for you? Um, I did okay. Yeah. Like, I I wasn't like, I didn't come home and like roll around in all of the cash I made. Ooh. To um, be honest, though, like, Geekster has never been like an amazing show for her. Art. No, I did. I had one Geekster that was really well and I sold like three paintings. Oh, I thought maybe it was um, the year you had the little hats. Oh, no, it was not that. I never had little hats at Geekster. But, um. Mm, no, they, they are not worth the amount of money. <laughs> Versus the amount of time. Okay. Yeah, you go, yeah, but you can make fifty fifty dollars selling the little selling that little hat, and that's true. But it cost her like two hundred dollars in time. Oh, yeah. You know, so they, it's, it's a lot not worth it. Um, but uh, but the when I got home from Geekster last night, I got a message that one of my pieces sold in the gallery. In the gallery? Yeah. That's like real art. Yeah. Right. Know, right. That's how it's supposed to work. And and well, it's so even, this is the power. Power theme? Yeah, the power theme show. Okay. And the the little illustration I did of a lightning bug sold. Oh, yeah. And so that was really cool. And what's really fun about that is that illustration is actually for the mush I run. Yeah, so it's it's the lightning bug. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that It's all tied together in gaming. Nice. Nice. Well, my life has pretty much been Geekster. Yes, it has been. Absolutely nothing to report from the last week except that I slept little and worked a ton and uh, right in the middle of it had a dentist appointment. So it's been kind of like mm-hmm. my, my life has been insane. But, uh, you know, Geekster went well. It went smoothly. Everybody had a good time. Our mm-hmm. vendors enjoyed it. We had everyone that came seemed to enjoy it. And, you know, I well, did you get that email from one of your vendors talking about how they you're the best person they've ever met in their entire lives. That's right. Because you gave them a sandwich and they would have literally died. It was a coffee and donut. Oh, same difference. Maybe better. (laughs) You know what? I will say this. Um, I've done a lot of shows Mm -hmm. and Ryan and his partners do take care of all the vendors. Well, I've never heard of any show or convention where they bring any form of food. Yeah, we get get a local coffee shop, Lassiter's, which is my coffee shop of choice here. (laughs) That I own. No, (laughs) but I love Lassiter's. He would if he could. could. Lassiter's, uh, they they always, what they do is they come in and they they donate coffee to our vendors during the setup. Mm -hmm. And then once, you know, at 10 o'clock when the show opens, then they sell coffee for, for most of the the day to just people who are attending. And then we have a local, a local bakery that donates a couple of dozen donuts for the, for the vendors for in the morning. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that we do is at lunchtime, we go around and collect, we have like a little order form and, Mm -hmm. and we take orders for little Caesars. And uh, we so basically we're like, look, you know, the, the pizza is six bucks. So you give us seven dollars because that covers the pizza plus the change t- right. that is taxes. And then whatever's left over from all of that that we collect, we put in our charity fund. Sounds good. So, which is usually only a few dollars. Yeah, it's but not a lot, still. But, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's cool. And so so the vendors don't have to actually leave 
you know. And that's they, a big deal. You know, Every minute's deal. money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what exactly happened. There was some kind of pizza drama that was happening. <laughs> and I only I only caught part of it, but I know at one point Rob, Ryan's one of Ryan's partners, came up right. and was like I'm on the phone with them now. And then he proceeded to dress down this person on the phone and then build them up. Yeah. I know you're the man I need to be talking to. It's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. For, for, yeah. That was, that was the actually short, pretty. The short version of it is that I went into the Little Caesars last week and warned them we're going to be ordering like 50 pizzas on Saturday morning. Right. So, you know, make sure that you are prepped and ready and ready to go. And they said, mm-hmm. no problem. It will take an hour max to get that many pizzas out. We're good. You know, thanks for letting us know. And then when we called and ordered the pizzas, they were like, great, they'll be ready in three and a half hours. You're like, what? And we were like negative ghost rider. Yeah. <laughs> That's the opposite of help. That is not how that works. Yeah. So, so Rob called and let them know. Uh, <laughs> what point he actually told the guy on the phone, he goes, I understand that little Caesars is not an amazing career and that this is not your forever job. <laughs> however but yeah, however, right now yeah. what I need is a hero because I have a room filled with people who are hungry and need pizzas now it was pretty <laughs> awesome so yeah. alright well uh, cool I guess if that's everything then let's uh, let's get into combat rounds Welcome to Combat Rounds. Uh, today is going to have a little bit of the same sort of warning that our last show had. <laughs> Carrie said, let's make a bunch of episodes that are hard. No, I said the exact opposite. <laughs> right. So she does have a great idea for an episode we're going to do when we have time for a light one. And it's going to also have to have a warning. Yeah, Why? that's true. Why would it have to have a warning? Um, Warning, movies that, about people who hate D&D. Uh, yeah. I want to do, do, do a movie review. Yeah. We're definitely going to do it. All right. I hey, definitely hey, everybody, our reactions. Everybody should uh, message us about what uh, RPG movie we should review. Absolutely. Today we're going to talk about The Unpermissibles, which is something we talked about back in episode 104. But The Unpermissibles are... are the 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 list of things that we believe you should just never run in your game. Just don't do it. It's just not worth it usually. And so the the content warning here is actually that we are the, the our topics are the unpermissibles, which are sexual assault, child abuse, pregnancy, and abortion and miscarriage. Um, and we're also going to talk just a we're going to touch on racism and animal cruelty towards the end if we if we have time. But we're not going to actually get into these topics uh, too deep as far as story goes. But what we do want to talk about is is why these things end up in games so that we can talk about things you can run instead of them to achieve the same sort of. Uh, emotional reactions from characters. And All right. Yeah, so this this originally uh, came from your book, and you wrote a blog post about it way back. Right, The Unpermissibles. Right. Yeah. And it's a really great topic, and I hate that it's one of the episodes that people have listened to the least. <laughs> I know. Everyone should go back and listen. It is good. People find themselves going, I don't need that. I, yeah. I think that's one of the problems. And now, maybe, like because we just did the, the content warning episode. The consent and gaming? Yes. This is the time to talk. Hey, there's these dark topics that a lot of people like to run. Right. But also, you're going to run into a, a significant number of your player base who does not want to experience this. Exactly. Or it even to be in a game they play at all. So to very quickly just summarize, it is our belief that these are the unpermissible topics you just don't need in your game. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and that is just like sexual assault. Not a fun story. No. Child abuse. Not a fun story. Pregnancy and, yeah. and abortion and miscarriage. Uh, and so um, these are just things that are typically just not, uh, they are, they are you know, we could call them triggering yes. uh, things. There are a lot of people that have have uh, reactions to these topics that are not favorable. Yes. And there are a lot of people who do not want to role play these topics or around these topics. And so we kind of feel like there's so many things that you can run. Why run these things? Yeah, it's you know? generally just not worth it. Right. Nope. Essentially, if you're going to run one of these topics as they are, you have to design the entire game around it. And 
this whole system of making sure that everybody is on board. Safety and agreeance is about consents and it's really tricky and for the most part I, I'm I just <laughs> I'm not going to get that deep into rape. You know what I mean? I'm Thanks. not that interested. We appreciate <laughs> we, it. We do appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so, you ready to dive in, Ryan? The first thing we should I want to do is is kind of just talk about how there are two ways that these topics can can occur in a role-playing game. Uh, these topics can be encountered or they can be in, experienced. Right. So, uh, a great example of that is is child abuse. You could encounter an NPC mother hitting an NPC child. Right. And you as your character then are encountering this situation and and have to... And are going to deal with it in some way. Right. Uh, And then there is experienced, which would be like uh, you are uh, playing a character who is... um, A child. A child. And the storyteller runs an NPC adult hitting you. Or you're running a scene and your your player is hitting a child. Right. Because it cannot sometimes these things fall into to players' hands. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, we yeah. talk a lot about how the unpermissibles are the things that you should never run, but I also we also mm-hmm. believe that the unpermissibles are things that you should never play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've played a lot of World of Darkness games, and one of the things yeah. about World of Darkness games is It's they, a world of darkness. There should be these things. Right. And they lean really heavily into especially sexually assault. Sexual assault and child abuse. Sexual assault is all over well, the world a, of darkness. It's a metaphor for vampire, and vampires is the first game. Yeah, right? absolutely. But then there are also, I mean, you know, we were talking about how in Werewolf there are there are Fomori, you know, there are spirits, there are black spiral dancer groups. Like there are there are entire segments of creatures in the world of darkness who exist solely to uh, breed. Well, with people that don't want to breed. I mean, there's even kinfolk. Yes, which just as an entire concept, kinfolk is kind of uh, right. You know, I mean, I know that I, I've talked to some players. Um, Sarah Ra used to tell me a story about how uh, her character was basically forced to find a mate and get pregnant. Or because, she was going to be kicked out of the set. Because that's the role that kinfolk are supposed to play. Yeah. And she was like, but I, my character has a wife. And right. they were like, too bad, go get pregnant by this kinfolk. Right. Right now. And then they made her role play out, like, going on dates with the guy and stuff. And it was like, no, and, not and okay. you know, I, I've encountered other women who've had the exact same problem mm-hmm. over the years. And I was lucky because I didn't, like, I didn't ever see it personally. Probably because yeah. probably I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been fortunate enough that while the games I've played in over the years have had some problems, weren't those problems. Yeah. And... Like, I, I met people later on once I got involved in UT and I was talking to people all over the country about uh, their werewolf experiences. There were people who would never play a kinfolk or a cub because right. both positions put you in such, uh, so weak to yeah, everybody else. you're powerless. Completely powerless mm-hmm. and people abused it. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, that was one of the changes that By Night Studios actually made in the LARP rules with kinfolk is they really moved away from the, the, the forced pro the forced breeding yes. aspect. And they made a lot of different ways for werewolves to be created as mm-hmm. opposed to just forced breeding. Though I will say that the bite mechanic that they brought back from, uh, what was it? Uh, the first book, very, very, very first, first edition book, it's mentioned had, yeah. had a bite mechanic where you could be changed into a werewolf. A lot of people that were playing kinfolk were getting bitten by other against their will against their will and yeah. so they had inadvertently created a rape metaphor in an attempt Again, to remove yeah. rape from the game right yeah, yeah. Well, the, it's only metaphorical now it's totally different <laughs> i say with sarcasm yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so the reason we bring up the difference between an encountered and an experienced unpermissible is because uh encountering one of these unpermissibles can create uh, a role-playing experience in which players get to be heroes. Yes. And, and that and can be very positive. Stop these bad things from happening. Save somebody. Right. And, and if that mm-hmm. is the sort of the, the motion of motivation or the setup uh, that, that the game is going for, uh, then that becomes much... 
it becomes less unpermissible. You still have to be concerned with your players' safety and what they're comfortable with, though. Right, and even even if your players are just encountering these things, they still need to opt in. Absolutely, not Always. not opt out. Yeah, they need to opt in. They need to say, "I want this game to be dark. I wanna I wanna encounter." Things like this, so that way I can stop them right. or whatever. And, and I just want to take a quick second to jump in and say that we have, all three of us, we talked about it on the air, all three of us have run things on this unpermissible list. Oh, yeah. When and we were younger. Or, stupider. <laughs> right? And so I, I just, I, I say that because I, I want people to understand that this isn't like, we're not all a bunch of, of prudes. You know, or and and we're not posturing or anything like that. Like these are things that like we have experienced them as running or receiving. You mm-hmm. know these things uh, in game, and and we get it, and and they're you know they're unpermissible for a reason. Uh, but encountering them is not encountering them can sometimes create stories that that can be fun like saving someone from something bad that is about to happen mm-hmm. but but i also want to note that you know I, I watched westworld when it first came out and the first episode there's a rape scene and while it the, the problem with it is is that there was no story being told there that wouldn't have been better addressed with literally anything else happening <laughs> yeah but because it was, first of all, it's easy. It's kind of like a hack move. Yep. Right. And it's also, if you're going to tell any story other than that person being murdered or revenge or something like that, more than likely, if you, and, and in a lot of these situations, people want to tell redemption arcs. It's really hard for me as a person to ever redeem that guy. I mean, we just watched it with, uh, uh, crap, what's the superhero show? that The Boys? The Boys. It's difficult. It's going to be difficult for me to be able to deal with one of the characters in what is obviously some form of redemptive arc, right? Because he sexually assaulted somebody, mm-hmm. and I understand that that's what they're going for. At least that's what it looks like. Yeah. But even no matter what happens to him, it's going to be difficult for me to ever change my feelings. Right. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things. Uh, it, there's a huge list of things that people can do and and redeem themselves and get second chances from. And societally, it is very, very difficult for anyone to forgive rape. Right. And, and rightfully so. And so if you're going to write it, imagine that it's difficult to walk it back at all. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, so encountering these things in a story, really, I think all we have to say about encountering it in a story is that if you're going to have your players encounter these things in stories, uh, you really want to make sure that they encounter them early enough in the situation to prevent it and play heroes. Um, and you want to make sure that everyone who is going to participate in the scene has has opted in and is aware of what is about to happen and, and do all the things you need to do to make sure your players stay safe, comfortable, and and, and all right in your game. Right. I, and I was just going to say, even if all of your players have opted in, you don't need to give every detail. Amen. Right. You, know, you can fade to black. Easy. Yeah, yeah. But but I'm saying like, you know, if, if they're walking in on something horrible. Right. You know, you you give them the base stuff. You don't because you know what? As a storyteller, I've done that where I'm like, and then I'm and then this and then yeah. that and all the details. And afterward I felt bad. Oh yeah. Sometimes all you and, have to say is it is clear that he is about to do this thing to that child. Yeah. And you know what? That's every, enough. Every parent in that room. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something else, too. This is an old Hitchcock trick. Uh, Hitchcock used to say that what's behind a closed door is far scarier than anything that he could show on screen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and the same is true in that instance. When you say, you know, that NPC is clearly about to do this terrible thing to that child. Your players will imagine the worst thing they can do, and then they will get mad, mm-hmm. and then they will go save that child. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to more focus on on these things being experienced in games. And so by that we mean, like, uh, when a player character is either, you know, is the, the victim of, of these things. Because what we hope is that you are not running a game where your player characters are asking to perform these things. I'm going to say this right now. We've all played in, like, D&D or Sabai. Evil or games. Evil games. And I want to talk about how that it is 
bullshit to think that playing an evil character means by default that you perform unconsenting acts on other people. I want to talk about real life for just a second. Oh, no. Because, no, I think this is a super, uh, one of those enlightening things. Okay. Child molesters, people who rape little boys, go to prison, and murderers and evil people in jail kill them. Because that is the worst, most that's the line. heinous. That's the line. Yeah. Right? And and I bring that up because, quite frankly, what I'm saying is that you could be a bad guy and not... That's There's still a line. And yeah, not, there's still... Yeah. Right. Everybody has an internalized morality. And, and it's different, obviously, if you are the kind of person who, who murders people. But it's it exists. Right. And if you're playing a character and you're just having a free-for-all... You're not playing an evil character very well. Yeah, and typically when people are when people are evil, they have motivations and that focus what they are being evil about. Yes, right. And so so they have some sort of goal or they have some sort of uh, paradigm that that uh, they can be relatively. I mean, I don't want to say lawful because I don't want to imply alignments here, but. You know, like they can exist in. They're truthful. Serial to their serial killers do the speed limit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has their own set of rules, right? Well, let's let's focus for a couple minutes on on sexual assault and how a, a player character might uh, be in a situation where they would experience that. All right. Now we believe this should never happen in a game, but. Uh, you know, there are like World of Darkness is a great example. You know, we have seen werewolf games as, to use. It's the easy example. But I've I've seen werewolf games in which a player character ended up by themselves in a room filled with black spiral dancers who were about to do bad, really cool bad things. things to them. Yeah. You know, and, and I've seen storytellers say to them, you need to run now. Because if you do not, this is going to be a situation in which you're, you know, where your character may be sexually abused or worse. Always give your players the chance to opt out of, and by opt out, I mean like after look, they've opted in. Yeah, even let after them they've opt opted out. in, you know, like give them a chance. Even if you're like, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a window open over there, just big enough for you to squeeze through if you try. You know, like right. give them the the way out. Don't don't make them roll for it. Don't make them throw chops. If they want out, give them the way out. Because comfort is more important than immersion. Absolutely. This is just a fucking game. Exactly. The thing about sexual assault is I always view sexual assault as, as uh, it's a pivot point. It's not actually a plot point. Right. Um, so what do you mean? I, I, well, what I mean by that is that uh, sexual assault never, uh, never progresses a plot forward there's there is no plot i mean i mean i i guess if i speak in absolute somebody's going to email us with one i had this but, one plot one time where please, we had to yeah, but, no but, we don't yeah, yeah don't. Uh. but but there is there there is not a plot that will not happen unless this pc is raped correct and, and so and it, there should not be a plot right and and i say that because uh, that really demonstrates this point that like it doesn't progress a plot forward. It's a pivot point for a character, right? The story, if there is a story involved in a sexual assault, the story is what happens leading up to it or more commonly what happens after. Mm-hmm. The story is never that sexual assault. It's, it's a shifting point. Um, most players who are interested in running a character who has been sexually assaulted do so because they want to role play uh, dealing with it, like they want the drama and the trauma, uh, or they want to role play the recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe hunting. It could be revenge, hunting that guy mm-hmm. down, or it could just be learning to accept and live with you know what has happened to them, or helping others. That's a good one too. Yeah, yeah, actually, you see it. the The most common reason you see it come up in somebody's background is is it's the the reason that they now run a shelter for you know yeah. for hurt women or for, or things like that. Yes, I'm going to say that also if it's in your backstory, 
and you're bringing it up in game. You need to be uh, make sure that everybody's okay with it. Yeah. 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 You know, when you've traveled to a different game and you're sitting around, uh, like if it's a LARP and you travel sure. to another city to play in a game with a bunch of strangers, you know, don't sit around on a couch and be like, yeah, I remember when my character, when, when I was, you know, 17 molested. and I yeah. was molested. No. Like, that's not good role play for other and people. And more importantly, I would think that if you m- just met a person for the first time. People don't do that. People don't do that. Don't, you know. You don't right. have to tell them your entire backstory the first time you meet them. People don't do it, so your character shouldn't do it. Exactly. If a player ever asks you as a storyteller, hey, I'd like to have my character raped, just say no. I, I think as a general rule, yes, So don't do it. I have only run something like that really once. Yes. Um, and what happened was the player ended up in a car with a bad guy. Right. I don't even remember why. And I kept telling her, you know, he's slowing down at the stoplight. You know, like I, I kept giving her options. And finally, out of character, she was like, I think this actually would be a really great, uh, you know, the aftermath is really going to be fun to role play out. So I'm OK with this. I okay. you know, Like she actually had to tell me as a storyteller, keep going. Pull the trigger. Yeah. And finally, I was like. We're fading to black at this point. And she, right. was, and she was very like, okay. Yeah. And I was like, and you wake up here with this, you know, going on and, you know, what happened afterward. Um, and I I don't know if you remember, Ryan, that night that that happened. Of course he remembers Ryan. Because. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if you remember that night, Ryan, because afterward I came home and I was like, I don't feel right. I don't like this. Like, I was like, I don't, I'm not going to run that ever again. That was gross. You know, that's something to think about. A lot of the, the reason why, when we started talking about the unpermissibles years ago, I it, it really changed my perspective on it because I thought, you know, I've run stuff that I've not been comfortable with later after I did it. Yeah. So if you're going to run something, you also, even if the player asks, asks for this yeah. difficult situation or it seems like it's coming up organically, you better be okay. You better be sure you're okay with it, too. It is always okay to fade to black. I also think that uh, if you are running something for a player and they they try to do something that feels like it's approaching one of these unpermissibles, take a moment and point it out. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm going to tell a story. This has been probably 20 years at this point. Sure. So so I point that out because uh, I was... In my early 20s. Sure. So I was a young, cisgendered white dude, (laughs) right? In a world that had not uh, opened its eyes to these things going on, right? So I was like as privileged and unaware as as anyone else in that era, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, For all of the bad things and flaws about that, you know, I mean, sure. the world thankfully has grown and, and I hope I have as well. And you have, but you have. I, I guess what it's, it's a werewolf power. What? Oh, it's wolf? Ah, that was a different thing. So yeah. I had a character who used a, um, there is a gift that werewolves have gifts are what their superpowers are called. Uh, <laughs> and it's called persuasion. And my character used persuasion to basically uh, romanticize a, a, a kinfolk right. into having sex. Was it a player? No, it was an NPC. Okay. And then, like, a few weeks later, a few games later, uh, it the storyteller that ran the scene let it get out and started telling, you know, having that that character tell others about how my character had raped her. Because by that point she dropped, she was like, "Wait a minute! She, he used a gift he on used me. Used the power on me to make yeah. me. Sus- he he magically roofied me. Yeah. Yes. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna man up for a second and say I magically roofied her. Yeah. And you shouldn't have. And I and today it, it, I'm mortified by this. Sure. Then it never even occurred to me that that's what I was doing. I remember how upset you were. That they would even imply that you would do something like that. Right. You know, and but then when you really boiled down, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And Mm. and so I I bring this up because, like, if in hindsight, what I wish would have happened would have been because obviously this storyteller thought to himself, 
Oh, this hey. is going to be great because I'm going to be able to have the Get PC him. accuse him of rape later, right? Mm-hmm. I wish he had stopped me and said, hey, man, just so you know. <laughs> you're magically roofing you, her. You're kind of, this This is kind of rape. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would have been like, whoa, no, that is not something I want to role play or think about or ever you know, right. that is not... I want nothing to do with that yeah, one. Right? No, that no, is no, no, not no. my... That's not my thing, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, and and I was horrified by it. And um, and so I point that out to just say that, like, especially stupid young white kids might not be aware that what they're doing is, you know... And there's a ton of games out there with mind control powers or yes. powers that affect emotion, anything that makes a person more likely to do what you say. So you should always think about that. I would even go so far as to say that if you're running a game or playing in a game and there's a mechanic that's not magical but just like, I'm super persuasive, do not let sexual encounters necessarily be determined by a dice roll. Right. I mean, there's a joke about bards romancing everyone. Yeah. You need to think about what mm-hmm. are you saying about your game. It's crazy to me that there's actually a skill called seduction in a right. ton of games. Yeah. And so like <laughs> I get that since it's non-magical it's representing the fact that you're really good at it. You're a sweet talker. It's yeah. sweet talking. And you know but it still feels kind of gross now because when you talk mm-hmm. about it. And and the reason why is in if I encounter somebody in real life who is a sweet talker and is good at talking to women and, or men or what have you. And that's, there's a limit to that of being okay. Right. But when you tie it to a mechanic, it feels totally different. Yes. And so, uh, so anyway, that's just, I wanted to share that story because I think it's important to, to also realize that, uh, things, sometimes things can be, um, can be run, and people involved may not even realize, especially if they're if they're not, you know, older aware. folks yeah. or or not people who are aware of things. Um, you know, just stop and, and just stop and point it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, the same thing happened with you. Uh, you've told the story a few times, so I don't think we have to tell it again. But but when your character ended up, uh, you had a character in a werewolf game who uh, there was a spirit problem that occurred in the game, and when it was done. Every female character that was at the game was was pregnant yeah. because of the spirit wooge that happened. And that's yeah. on the right. list, so we'll talk and, about that. Yeah, but yep. there was a moment when you went to a storyteller and said, hey, uh, let's, you know, hey, this is not, not okay. Cool. Right? It's kind of, this is kind of like spirit rape. <laughs> right? The storyteller should have went, oh, dang, you're right. No, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just sometimes people are, are caught up in their characters or caught up in the plot or caught up in the moment. We're just not socially aware enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I don't want to say give everyone the benefit of the doubt because I think in things like this, you, you, we just don't live in a world where, where that's safe. But I do think, though, that there is nothing wrong with just being forthright for a moment. So what can we run uh, th- that will give us this same feeling of loss of control or violation, but that is not so heavy? But still gives us the same kind of plots. Alternatives to sexual assault. All right, here we go. Now, it sounds goofy, right? No, no, absolutely not. Because it, okay, there is nothing that can be an alternative to how you feel when you are assaulted like that. Absolutely not. Okay. But to give a flavor, have either of you ever had your house or car broken into? Holy shit, I've had my car broken into twice, and both times I was miserable. You feel violated, Yes. yes. Someone went through your stuff, yeah. threw it around, had no respect for you. Right. It's wor- it's worse when they ruffle, when they when they throw everything out of all of your glove boxes and everything, and so you come out and it's all on the floor. Yeah, so it just feels like someone just threw your life around. It, it's not just violated, but it's disrespected. Yeah. Like someone just and, didn't care and, either. And, right. And so that is a small taste of what it feels like when you're assaulted like that. I'm going to say that I've had my car broken into twice and robbed both times. Mm-hmm. The first time, they threw a slushie in there, too. Yeah, that like was yours? No, they took my stuff and, and they, they left. threw a full slushie on my back seat. Were you like, DNA test? Oh, no, this was back <laughs> in the 90s, so... Yeah. I mean, if we can't get rape kits processed, I'm pretty sure we can't no, get slushies. Hey, no, hold on. You're a man. Yes, you can. Maybe I could, yeah. yeah. And then... And the, I hate the world. Uh, the, yep. uh, the other time, they broke in and stole 
uh, I had a jar of change in the car mm-hmm. that we brought because we were on vacation. So we brought our jar of change for like parking tolls. meters, tolls, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Right? right. It was maybe seven or eight bucks. Yeah. They stole that. And I missed the jar more than anything because it was one of those huge pickle jars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I really liked it. Yeah. And then, um, I, I, you know, another thing you can do is is identity theft or even, like, identity replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you so, mean by replacement? Well, well, by replacement, I just mean, like, suddenly everyone thinks you're someone else. <laughs> or suddenly someone else went to your work in your place and everyone was okay with it. Oh, Twilight Zone stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and identity or theft... Or people don't remember you at all. Oh, right. that's really good. And I want to point out, too, that things like identity theft or identity replacement, like, they don't have to be modern stories. You know, yeah, a no. sorcerer could do it in a and d game or, right. you know, there, there are other ways that these things could happen or be propelled by a, a plot. Actually, I, I want to point out, I'm glad that you said that, um, we're going to be harping a lot on World of Darkness. It's such a big target. But... These things can happen in any genre of game. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said, you know, when we when we talk about our first games ever, you know, my very first game, there was rape in it. Sure, right. And that was Dungeons it, and Dragons. And it was Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like old school Dungeons and Dragons. So, like, it can happen in any game. We're going to be keep using World of Darkness because, like Jason said, it's an easy target. But this applies to everything. Right. Okay, I'm going to, I used to play in a LARP and my sword was really important to me. It was, it was a boffer LARP. And my sword was something that my character had had a turning point because he was a thief and he stole this this big uh, bastard sword. Mm-hmm. And then he left after stealing it and, and became an adventurer and completely changed his life because he's like, The sword, I, yeah. I have this sword. And, and later on he was like, this, this really means something. This is the weapon of a hero, not this, this low thief that I was before. All right. And even though I never took it back... <laughs> <laughs> I did go out, and it, the character was completely reformed because he had this adventurer's weapon. Mm-hmm. And then it was broke. Oh. And it was really good. I felt so lost. I felt violated. Mm-hmm. I was angry. I was upset. And, like, no, did I feel like I was raped? Absolutely I didn't. No. But I did feel a lot of the emotions that the storyteller is trying to evoke when they use those other plots. <laughs> When when someone asks for their character to have been raped, like if, if I'm a player and I want it in my background or my history, let's say, right? Um, you know, it's usually because the char- the player wants to role play, you know, the recovery, right? And I think what you just described could have replaced it. You know, you went from being a criminal to being an adventurer, and the, the catalysts that shifted your life from one way to another can evoke many of those same, you know, mm-hmm. sort of sort of things. Okay. I would like to say, though, I'm kind of almost, almost in defense of this. This is going to sure, sound sure. weird. Um, unfortunately, that type of experience, being molested or raped or, you know, having being sexually assaulted, happens to so many people that if if someone says, I would like my character to be getting over this, and your table is okay with it, let them. Because I think the, the, the part that's important, though, is the table needs to be okay. Yeah, the table needs to be okay. But what I'm saying is, also, if you eradicate everything that is bad like that from, you know, like, you can't mention, you know, anything, you know, like, you can't have it in your game at all, and you, um, it, it, it almost makes it taboo to talk about in real life. So you're, you're yeah, I'm, I'm, that, I know I'm not saying that quite right. No, I know what you're talking about. There's a big discussion, especially with racism, about erasure. Yes, and that's the if same thing. If you just thing. ignore it, sometimes you're making... It makes it worse. Right, because now you've made the topic taboo, like right. you said. And, and that's what I'm saying, though, is like, don't also make your players feel bad if they want to recover from something like that. You know, I'm not saying that you should be like, yeah, I'll run that for you every weekend. You know, like, no, no. But like... To imply that it shouldn't be in anyone's backstory ever. You know, like, I've had players who go, like, here's my story, and it's just filled with it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my gosh. And I'm it's like, too much for you. Well, I mean, it was it was too much for anybody. Sure. But I was just like, oh, that's wait, a, that's a lot the, of it. Yes. The tentacle one? Yeah, it was, there, there were tentacles. <laughs> I do think what's... But, but what I'm saying is she needed to work through that. And I said, okay, you can't talk about this with anyone, but you can do it internally. 
if that will help you. And she went great and was happy. Like, you could tell when she role-played that character, she was going through stuff. And, like, at the end of it was better for it. Now, I do think there's a there's a caveat there that it's, LARP isn't therapy. It's not therapy. But you can use it in productive ways. Yes. I think the, the key here, though, is that uh, she didn't ask you to run it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she did. Because I would not have. And that's another thing is I think that if a player comes to you and wants their character to be raped in game, obviously, I, I think that oh, yeah, you yeah, should no. say no. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, one of the alternatives to that is put it in your background as yeah. opposed to and then you're able to, as a storyteller, regulate it better as far as how it affects your game or comes into your game. or anything Yes. Like that. Hey, and you know what? This is going to sound weird. There's communities for people who want to act out that sort of thing. And those games exist. Like, I think what we're talking about. I don't mean about, that. I mean, like, there's, but they there's do. S&M communities. If that's the sort of thing you want to... And not all of them are sexual. A lot of them are just role play. It's different. If that's what you're really into, maybe that's what you're looking for, not your local LARP, yeah. where everybody else is there to fight dragons. I think ultimately, though, again, we move this back around to this idea that, you know, you your game is... is uh, your game should be whatever all of your players and your storytellers decide together they are comfortable yes, with it sure. being. All right, so what do we have next? One of the, the next things that that is an unpermissible is child abuse. Um, the You know, child abuse, because child abuse is often sexual assault, most of what we just talked about is really pretty much cut and paste applicable to, to the child abuse topic. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that you should ever have uh, a player character who wants to hurt a kid. Yeah, if, you, know, you, if with, you have a player character in your game that's like, I think I'm going to go beat a child, then ask them out for coffee, <laughs> find out what's wrong, and, and then it. either tell yeah. them to make a new character or, or ask, them to go elsewhere. ask them to go elsewhere. I can't imagine any game where I want to run for or play with uh, either a pedophile or like somebody who's explicitly abusing children. Yeah, no, right? that's gross. Yeah. I, when uh, it's just gross. In in Hollywood, there is a rule that uh, if you want to upset your audience, you endanger a child or a pet. Sure, because that evokes a stronger emotion than endangering any other person or any other thing. Yes, um, and and so I bring that up because as a storyteller. The reason we want to run child abuse is because that's going to pull a heartstring. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know what? I'm I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I've done it. Sure, I've done it. You know, um, you know, putting a child in danger. You know, having them find a body mm-hmm. or whatever. Like you, you immediately people will knee jerk and just be like, no, right. you know. And I think if as a storyteller you really feel like your story needs to have a child abuse element in it. I mean, as an unpermissible, I would say find something else. But if you really feel strongly and your game is is able to safely encounter it, uh, I would try to have them not, unless you're going to allow them to stop it, have them not see it on screen. Yes. Have them encounter it having already happened. Find the dead body. Or... Um, you know, hear from the child, you know, my dad did this bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, the last vampire game I ran, I had an NPC who, uh, it was a vampire, so, you know, he was eating the kids. Right. Um, and I love how casual you said that. Uh, yeah, well, it is not a vampire. He was eating yeah, kids. kids. It's White Wolf. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, but instead of like coming out and saying he was doing that and, and, you know, um, he played Pokemon. Oh, right. He, he, I, I don't he, remember. He did, always had, did he fight the kids or he literally made them play the card game with no, them? No, he played the card game with right. them. And I can't remember if it's if they beat him, he would let them go. Right. You know, or, you know, but like he was I always... he kept them in cages. Yeah, like, and he was terrible. But like he, it, it was all very subtle. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like it took the players years to start piecing together some yeah. of the stuff to figure out what happened to you know like what was going on. Um, looking back, you know, and I mean I'm a pretty seasoned 
uh, sure. game runner. The legend. And the legend. Yeah, and the legend probably looking back even now just a couple years ago, I would probably not run that NPC. Right. And there's other ways. There, you, you're always cap- learning. He could have been capturing adults. He could have been capturing dogs and fighting them. And you've got mm-hmm. a similar reaction and not had as much of the baggage. Now, yeah. people still ping on animal cruelty, too. Yeah, they do. So I you need to be aware of it. The problem the problem with child abuse... Okay. <laughs> Is the, it bad? Well, right. But the problem with child abuse as a story, okay, in a game... Uh, is that the reason a storyteller often runs it is to evoke the clearest signal that this NPC is evil, right? I mean, because think about it. Everything about that, the NPC you're talking about, everything else about that guy, Mm -hmm. he was cool. He was fun. He was goofy. He yeah, was, he, yeah. He, he was, was useful. He was useful. Yeah, he was very right? useful. But like, I made sure to do that. Perhaps the biggest monster in the game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I think that strangely enough, strangely enough, child abuse is even viewed as worse than sexual assault. Uh, and a lot of times, it's because child abuse is also sexual assault. I think it's you know? everything's about levels of power. Right. And mm-hmm. every adult has more power. Than, than a child. A child than would. any child. And every adult should be protecting a child. Mm-hmm. There is Absolutely. an expectation that is there as well, a societal expectation of it taking a village, mm-hmm. as they say. Right. Um, and so the problem is, as a storyteller, it's very tempting to use it because it's easy. It is very easy. So don't use it just because it's easy. I, it's I, too easy. Be better. Right? Be a better storyteller. And if you tell a story about a powerless person that was threatened and you don't use one of the obvious triggers, people are going to get into it far deeper because they're not going to ping immediately and be like, oh, well, this person abuses children. Let's just murder them. Right. It's going to take them time to build up and realize just how bad you are. Yeah. Like we told a story about a family that had been – you remember the the, the vampire, the (laughs) woman who kept all the the people locked in boxcars – yeah. <laughs> and just fed on them. And yeah. they all, because it was like 200 years of her doing it, they were all basically albino and right. they were really weak and confused and only spoke this really corrupt version of French because that's where she had dragged them from. Yeah. That took them a little while to really kind of get into it, which was better for the payoff in the end. I I played, because her name was Jeanette Bowden. I don't know why I remember I that why NPC's we, I name. I don't remember <laughs> it. All I remember is she always wore a gray dress. Yeah, she wore a gray dress. And um, and every time I played that NPC, players would be like, something's off about her, but right. we don't know what. Yes. Right. When we ran our last Vampire Chronicle, we had a bad guy that was a Teddy Ruxpin doll. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> And this Teddy Ruxpin doll was killing children. All yes. Right? But I bring this up because one of the reasons why we felt like it was okay, mm-hmm. partly because our our player base was, uh, we're familiar with our player base and they, us, and, and they were We knew who it would okay. upset. If anyone, it would upset. We kept them away from that right. plot. Right. Uh, but um, the bear was not actually evil. The bear was... Killing children because it believed that if it replaced their heart with something or if it took their heart for itself, that it would be able to become uh, it real. Was kind of a real. It was kind of a Pinocchio bear. Right. Sort of. But it was also replacing their heart with a toy. Right. Because it thought that that worked. Yeah. Because it thought it would help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the bear was remorseful about it. Yeah. And, and using child abuse in that way is smarter than using it just as a bad guy who's doing bad things. Right. This is a bad guy. Um, that said, you know, probably again, not a little too much, not the best, not the plot I'm most proudest of. Sure. Except (laughs) Uh, the the bit with the Teddy Rexman. Well, yeah, the Teddy Ruxpins are so creepy. Having a bad guy, yeah, Teddy Ruxpins are creepy. <laughs> Next time we need Must, to do it with Furbies. Yeah. No, he he would do a creepy voice with them, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing it on the podcast. Oh, no. You okay. should. <laughs> it was so creepy. Um, well, let's talk about pregnancy for a second. You know, the the real thing about pregnancy, frankly, the way to take pregnancy, pregnancy off the unpermissible list is to leave it in the hands, leave the decision in the hands of your player characters. It's just that easy. 
Don't make well, them. Don't make them roll dice to see. Well, if yeah, they got first, knocked first, up. first, never make them roll dice. Sure. Right. Uh, um, but but also though, I'd like to point out that you know if the pregnancy is between two PCs, mm-hmm. they both have to agree to it. Absolutely. Because I be pre-planned, I would think. Well, I, no, I mean you can. Like, do you mean pre-planned in character? No, out of character. Oh, yeah, out of character, definitely. Yes, not in character. Because I'm just saying, I've seen pregnancy on mushes. Sure. Where they didn't tell the other person. Absolutely and they were like, not. surprise! Yeah, no. And it was and, like, And we come to that no. thing where, where one player wants to roleplay this and the other player does doesn't. Doesn't. And yeah. if they don't both opt in... Yeah. Don't I thought it. this was something fun we were doing, and you've turned it into this thing that I'm going to have to role play for the next yeah. lifetime. Yeah, so Thanks. that's not what I dis- that's not what I opted into. The so if you want to run a pregnancy in your game, uh, it doesn't matter because it is the player who needs to want to be pregnant, mm-hmm. or the player who wants to have their uh, the person that they have had a sexual encounter with become pregnant if it's an NPC. But that decision and desire to roleplay that and everything needs to be entirely up to the, the the up to the player. Now, if you're talking about wanting to run an NPC that got pregnant by another NPC, that's fine. That's a little weird detail to get into <laughs> in a game. But like, if you're like, I really want there to be a pregnant woman in the village. Okay, there's do a it. Woman. There you go. Right. Do it that way. Don't don't make your your PCs do it. Yeah. yeah. Those should you should be aware that a lot of people have a, a lot of emotions tied up in pregnancy, mm-hmm. right? So just you know, be aware of that. I would also suggest as a storyteller that if you have a player come to you and they say, "Hey, I would really like for my character to to be pregnant," or "I'd really like for the NPC girlfriend of my character to become pregnant," as a storyteller, you might want to pause for a moment and just ask: uh, Is this because you want your character to have a child? Or is this because you want for there to be an abortion or miscarriage or something like that, or an ending to the 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 unborn child or something like? Because that falls into another category of unpermissible that sh- you know is not made okay just because a player came to you for it. It's just such heavy topics, right? Yeah, that you need to not just have you don't just need to be okay, and them. But everybody who's going to have anything to do with it has to have some level right. of opting in. Like the two biggies on here are sexual assault and abortion and miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, because just hearing others talk about it can be upsetting to people. Yes. I, I'm going to say because, okay, w- when we were trying to get pregnant, we, we had a couple of miscarriages. It's not uncommon. But what blew me away is when the doctor says, well, this is incredibly common for mm-hmm. a woman to miscarry. Uh, twice, three, sometimes even more than that. Carrie's, and, uh, Carrie's doctor actually said the miracle is that people end up with a baby at all. Right. And so in that moment, I was like, what? Because mm-hmm. I had no clue. No, None of us do. So, like, I mean, I say my, that about uh, speaking as, as a man. My wife none had no idea. My, my mother had suffered a miscarriage before I was born, and they had always blamed it on a wreck that they'd had. But now I know, hell, it was probably just... Nature. Nature. Roll of the dice. Yeah. There's no way to know. But it shouldn't be a roll of the dice. Yeah, <laughs> never never a roll so, of the and dice. And the reason why I bring that up is because, and if my father listened to role-playing podcasts, he probably wouldn't like me to say this, he's felt guilty about that for 40, no, closer to 50 years now. Because he, he was driving, they had a, yeah. a relatively minor wreck, and they didn't know my mom was pregnant, and they had a miscarriage. He's blamed himself for that his whole life now. And so I'm going to say most of us know how big of a deal the stuff we've talked about before is. Right. But there's a there's a trap here with miscarriage because, like I said, until I was an adult and had went through it, I had no idea how common it was. Right. So I had no idea how easily you could bring something like this in a game and think, well, it happens. It's yeah. not that big of a deal when it is. It is very tempting as a storyteller when you have a player whose character is pregnant or a player whose character is dating someone that is pregnant with their child for there to be a risk involved because of plot, you know? And and it is a 
It, it is one of those things that, to a younger storyteller, seems like a great source of drama. It's edgy. I'm going to say, as someone who hasn't been through it, you don't realize how much it affects everyone involved. It's not an okay. It's unpermissible. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, what Jason was saying is how, you know, his father, you said? Yeah, he blames himself. Um, you, he, every miscarriage I've had, I've blamed myself. Yeah, and my there was wife no, blames I mean, herself, too. Literally, one of them, the doctor was like, this is a one in 800 million. Like, it was a crazy amount of, like, for this to be happening. She was like... I don't know how you managed to do this, but, but okay. Happened. And you know, and still, I was like, well, clearly, I did something wrong. Oh, I, I ate the wrong thing. I I mm-hmm. slept on the wrong side. I, you know, like I, you blame yourself I every a, time. I had an I had a relative actually tell me that it wasn't Carrie. It was me. It was my fault because my dad served in Vietnam and it was the Agent Orange. Oh, right. And, and he he was like, there was nothing but sincerity and empathy. Oh yeah, and I. Almost it was physically horrific, attacked that man. Yeah. I was so mad. And, and so what I'm saying is like you don't – for someone that's ever been pregnant before and has had a miscarriage, it, it is it, – it always weighs on you. Always. I just – to me, if you're playing a game – Go slay the dragon. Don't run an abortion plot. Stop it. You know, you know, like, like we we run role playing games and we play role playing games to get away from real life drama. Right. One of the so one of the one of the problems with abortion is that abortion is ed, is an edgy topic. Absolutely. Right. If you are a storyteller who is, uh, you know, if you're a storyteller that is okay with abortion and and is you know pro choice and and all that stuff like you might be t- I've seen this where where they are tempted to put an abortion situation in their game just to be edgy because somebody in their game is pro life and it's going to cause controversy and that'll be cool yeah it's right? going to cause your it's gaming not. group to die grow up is the answer grow yeah. up um yeah. I also want to say that you can tell these same kinds of stories because the uh uh, the abortion part is going to be about somebody having to make a terrible choice, right? A right? no-win situation. A no-win situation. Do you remember? Because if that, you're telling it as a story, that's what the story is. Do you remember that Star Trek episode with Joan Collins where where Kirk had to yeah. choose, choose whether or not to let her get hit by the car and die or not? No, I you need to go back and go back and watch watch that episode. The, the episode but, is they go back in time. It's it's a really famous uh, Trek ep- original it, series, <laughs> and Bones falls in love with with her. Right, and so, but then Spock finds out, you know, through his computer yes. magic. So it's called. Oh, the, I do remember it. It's yes. called. It's called the City on the Edge of Forever. Yes, yes. Yeah, I do and remember if, it. Now. If you want to tell tell an abortion story. This is the kind of story you can tell that will give your players the same experience in a much safer way. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, you know, do, do I let my friend be happy but then let the world perish? Right. Or do I let this woman die and it's then a, have It's my a friend. life or death decision that centers around around morality. The last two things on the list are racism and animal cruelty, and, and they are, are typically unpermissibles as well. Um, you know, racism really just is about making sure that uh, the people at your table are are educated and mature enough to handle the topic and to do it in a respectful and mature right. and informed way. Right. Like, right. don't let your players be racist. I don't think that's usually or your characters. a good thing to really play out. Yeah, just yeah. don't do it. Yeah. And I think you need to be very careful because there's lots of simulated racism, like strainism and mm-hmm. different clans hitting each other. You just have to be careful about. Yeah. yeah. And right. it get, it, that can get really complicated when you get into time period. Yeah. Things. And that's a whole And that topic. becomes a whole other topic yeah. on yes. a whole other episode. All right. And we'll put it on our list. Yeah. And animal cruelty. Animal cruelty really just kind of can fall under everything that we said about, about Child abuse really can be applied to animal cruelty yeah. because people think of their pets as their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't Absolutely. do it. All right, let's go to game wrap. Woo. Welcome to game wrap. Uh, we are running really long, so we're going to try and go really fast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, anywhere else that you find 
your podcast. You can send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. You can find us at honorrollpodcast.com, or you can go on Facebook where we're there as well. Uh, anyway, uh, Carrie, you are going to get 150 experience points for keeping Thanks. Jason and I in line on Thanks. difficult Thanks, I tried. Topics. I tried. <laughs> yeah. I was shooting daggers at you guys a couple times. I know. Like, hey. I- Ninety percent of this was her looking at us till we stopped talking, went back and redid a segment. <laughs> Jason, you're going to get a hundred points for Ooh. not saying things you shouldn't. Ah, uh, well, that's never happened before, uh, and, it, well, and yeah. it probably won't happen again. It only, but we it, it only happened through the magic of editing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, join us next week when our uh, topic is uh, what would happen if you replace all of your players with cardboard cutouts of Star Wars figures. Mm. Until next time, I'm Ryan the Curmudgeon. Carry the Legends here. Jason's the favorite. And remember, the only way to win a role-playing game is, is to have, have fun. fun. I'd have so many Doritos then. They, would all they your still Dor- bring their $5? Yeah. All the Doritos would be yours. <laughs> all the Doritos shall be mine. Yeah. yeah. And if, you don't, if they do something bad, you could just take them out back and burn them. Burn them. Do you still have to give them XP? Uh, yeah, but yeah. they can't write it down. Yeah, they, they can't. can't they can't. They can't track it. So it's okay. right. The problem is they all look bored. Ah, cardboard. Ah, oh. Goodbye. Oh, <laughs> oh,